Well, amen. That was a blessing, wasn't it? Good to see you this morning. I'm glad you came out uh, uh, for this time. I know you had to be here. If you look in your Bibles, look at the book of Judges. I really, uh, I, I count it a privilege to come and, and preach this morning. God has been good to you all. Uh, your leadership is phenomenal, what God has done here at West Coast and, and Lancaster Baptist Church. Uh, it is exciting just to see what God is doing in, in this time. Uh, I, I live in Washington, D.C. area. I'm 11 miles from the White House as a crow flies. Our church is there, right beside Andrews Air Force Base. I went there when I was six, in sixth grade. My dad pastored the church for 22 years. I worked with him his last 10 years. And uh, now I've been there for 28 years as senior pastor. And, and uh, we have a group called Awake America. We go down on the hill. Uh, we have a pastor. We started a church down on Capitol Hill called Graceway Baptist Church. Uh, Brother Tykert goes to that church. Uh, we have a lot going on down there. Boy, Brother Wells is doing phenomenal. Uh, the only problem is uh, uh, building. He's meeting in Abraham Lincoln's hospital. They put, I think they put about $10 million into that building. And it's the first hospital that Abraham Lincoln had. Uh, it's called the Hill Center. He has the top floor. And he's been running around 100 now, a little bit over 100. God's using him, staffers. Uh, I know he has federal judges. Uh, I know he has uh, several generals in his church. And, uh, and God's just blessed Graceway Baptist Church. They would like to purchase a building. And uh, they have made offers over a million for buildings, little buildings. And these buildings are selling for three and four million. Uh, uh, the real estate agents don't want to give them the opportunity to purchase a building because they're taking church buildings and they're making condos out of the church buildings. They're calling them Grace, you know, Grace Towers or Grace Condos. And uh, the, he had a real estate agent actually say, I can't help you with buying a church building because I'm in the market for buying the church buildings myself. Uh, he went to three churches uh, that had been closed during COVID, met with the pastors. The pastors actually made the statement, we don't think we'll ever meet in the church again. Uh, our people have become used to uh, live streaming. And so we don't think we'll use the church again, but uh, we don't think uh, you have the money that, that, uh, that we want for our building. And so pray for him. It, it, it's probably three to four million dollars he would have to have to purchase a building. And um, we need churches in Washington, D.C. People like to, like to plant churches around the city but I tell you what, the inner city needs churches. He has folks that film the basketball games, that, that run the cameras at basketball games. He has young people that do all, uh, just all kinds of things downtown. And God has given him a, just a wonderful church, Graceway Baptist Church. Please pray for Pastor Brad Wells in that church. Judges chapter 2, while, while, while we're looking, getting ready to look at text, uh, I, I sent out a case of books. Uh, I wrote a book called Daniel Dynamics. Uh, I've been in work on Capitol Hill for 10 years now. Uh, I, I studied the life of Daniel. And a lot of folks write uh, uh, books that are, they write it on more of the prophetical. And I love the prophecy that we find in the book of Daniel. But I wrote, uh, I, I, I took time late at night. My wife and I, our church never knew it until until we brought the book, the first book to church, they knew that I had written a book. 
but we took the late wee hours of the morning to, to edit and to, to write the book. And I wrote it from the perspective of men reaching men. The title is Daniel Dynamics. Dynamics has to do with a power within us that, that causes us to move forward. And, uh, and the power that Daniel had was God. And God moved him through generations, through, through different groups and different governments. And it's Daniel Dynamics, Moving Men and Molding Nations. Uh, I've, I wrote it, and at, at the end of each chapter, I just did uh, put quotes and scriptures that God moved with me uh, as I dealt with men. Uh, it's a good perspective of, of working with others. Uh, I've, I went ahead and told them to just sell it for $5 cheaper. There's 26 of them out in the lobby. Uh, if you want to purchase those, I won't have to carry them home. And uh, if you purchase, uh, if, you, if you want to purchase and there's nothing there, uh, I'll, I'll make sure that I mail them and you can buy them for the same price. But they're available to you. It's, it's, a, it's a work of love between me and my wife. It's a work of love and, and just of the scriptures and, and, and the philosophy that Daniel had. This morning, I'd like to tell you a portion of scripture. Why don't we stand and uh, look at uh, Judges. Judges chapter 2, we're going to turn to some other scriptures, but in Judges chapter 2, I want you to notice and uh, the, the thought here, what had happened is Joshua had passed off the scene. The Bible says that Joshua now had died, They'd, he had died at 110 years of age. Uh, we find that his generation, the men of his generation had passed off the scene. Now, the scary thing is that's happening to us right now. Uh, there, there was a generation, there, uh, there was a godly generation. There were preachers and Baptist church and church was flourishing and it still is flourishing. But I understand this. I'm looking around and some of the friends I knew and, and fellas that I looked up to, they're in, they're in glory now. He, uh, not only did Joshua pass off the scene, but uh, that generation passed off the scene. And some things began to take place. And I want you, I want you to join me if you'll look there. At uh, Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, and, and also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, the, the generation of Joshua. You think about those ones that went into the promised land, that generation that conquered the promised land, that settled things. Every time their foot hit ground, God gave it to them. And how God divided things and all that wonderful leading of God uh, after they crossed uh, at Gilgal, crossed the Jordan. But notice... It says this, and there arose, and I marked this in my Bible, another generation after them. And there's two things that we find. It says, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which had, uh, he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Serve Balaam, they, they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, and, uh, which brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods, the gods of the people uh, that were round about them and bowed themselves unto them and provoked the Lord to anger. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this morning. Uh, stir hearts. Uh, give us a, a great time here in chapel and pray that you'll just use this scripture for your honor and glory. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll stir hearts today. Uh, I pray that you'll move in, uh, in, in college students today, and uh, I pray that you'll raise up a generation uh, that'll bring revival back to our country. Uh, use this time for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I get to go down on Capitol Hill every week, and uh, I try to uh, spend, uh, I've talked to the church, and they let me spend 
time down there. We have an office uh, right behind the Supreme Court building uh, that God gave us years ago, and, and I'm able to park there. Uh, right now, it's a very unusual time on Capitol Hill. If you want to meet with a leader, I used to just walk in. There are welcome mats all over the place. I used to walk in, and uh, as we'd walk in, they'd, they'd welcome you in the office, and we'd be able to uh, make appointments with leaders, sit down with staffers, spend time. But yet, uh, right now, if you want to meet a leader, you have to make an appointment. They have to meet you at the door, walk you up to the office. When you're done, they walk you out of the building. And so uh, you cannot just take a stroll through the building. They see you, and you get in trouble. Uh, and so it's been, become a very interesting day on Capitol Hill. I, I go to meetings, and uh, I have never, I was telling Dr. R, I have never seen politicians getting spiritual like I am in this day. I'm hearing more politicians quote Scripture, fellows that I didn't even know that knew Scripture are starting to quote Scripture. I've sat with politicians and they've said this, if, if this next election doesn't go the right direction, our nation as we know it is gone. And they're just, they're, they're, they're literally looking. There's a Title 12 or Title 9 uh, Title Nine ruling that's uh, going to go over. They've, get, they've got lines open until... Uh, September 12th for people to call in and make their comment, but Title IX has to do with, uh, uh, they're, they're dealing with personal pronouns, that, and if, you, if you're a student and you use the wrong pronoun for a person, you'll be fined or, or uh, jailed. And uh, this is coming from the White House. It's uh, uh, the LGBT, all, the, all those different things are starting to happen. It's, uh, it is, I've never seen the devil more alive and real uh, we understand this. They're trying to re- they've tried to remove God from marriage. Uh, we just had a lo- uh, the House voted on uh, same-sex marriage as being uh, legitimate and really legitimized by our federal government. Uh, passed the House. Uh, I, I see different things happening. Uh, your pastor probably has talked about mutilation that is taking place. And it's not mi- just mutilation of children that are, are folks that are 18. It's 16-year-olds, and I heard this week it's, it's down to 10 years old and below, mutilating their body to become another, another gender, saying God didn't create me a female or God didn't create me a male. Uh, I choose what I'm going to be. And understand this, basically it's a society that has chosen uh, to move God off the scene. But I want to say, like Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar, there is a God in heaven. And he's still alive and he's still real. And uh, I, I've, told the, uh, I've told Dr. Getch and, and Dr. R that I've spent time chewing on this portion of Scripture. Just literally, uh, I've, uh, for months I've been, the church, I, our church is probably tired of hearing about this Scripture because I bring something new out about it. I've been bringing truths out about it and I've, I've, I've preached it and, and challenged people. But as I, as I know, notice uh, Joshua, he's, as, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And, and, and he followed the Lord and he was loyal and, 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 and he stood for truth and he stood for right. But as soon as he moved off the scene, understand this, as soon as he died and his generation, things began to change. And I'm not saying this, there's some things that are good changes, honestly. Uh, sometimes there are good uh, tools to use. There's wonderful tools. But this was not a change as far as tools are concerned or, or things that help us in life. This was a societal change where there was a generation that did not know God. They, they didn't know God. They, they didn't even know the things that, 
that had happened in their history concerning their God. And we find that many things are listed here. I, I'd have you notice it says, uh, uh, they knew not the Lord yet, not the works, but uh, a lack of God caused evil in society. This lack of God, and the same thing is happening in our day, in our generation. Uh, they are trying to remove God, churches, the Word of God. Anybody that has to do with God, they're trying to move it off the scene. Thank God that we can preach the Word of God. We can preach truth today. In Canada, they have they can get fined for preaching certain portions of Scripture, as, uh, if not jailed. And we understand that I believe that is coming to America. But folks, we don't have to come to a place that we get under the dark clouds because we serve a living God. And I, I looked at this, and, and as I looked at this lack of God, uh, uh, turned to a plurality of gods in that day. Uh, we find that they began to serve uh, uh, Baal and Ashtoreth, Ashtoreth a fertility god. And we understand these gods were gods of the Canaanites. In other words, here was a generation that did not know God, and hence they began to mix with the peoples around them, and the, the Canaanites that were around them began to talk to them, and have you tried this, or do you know about this God? And, and they began to talk about Ashtoreth, and they began to talk about Baal, and no longer had, uh, had uh, time passed, and a young generation now was mixed up in uh, evil allegiance to other gods little g gods, you can notice here, it says they, they forsook the Lord. It mentions that in verse 12 and verse 13. The Bible comes down and at the end of the verse, it says they provoked or they angered God. They, they provoked God to anger. Now they worshiped idols. They, uh, God came to a place where he had to deal with them. The Bible says they forsook uh, the Lord there in verse 13. They served Baal and Ashtaroth. And, and uh, I say today in 2022, that we live in a generation where God is being removed from every facet of society. But I understand this, you cannot remove God. He's there. And in that day, in this portion of scripture, I understand this, God today in 2022 is alive and well and will carry out his will if we're willing to live for him. But we understand this, uh, I understand that God can't be removed, but yet they came to a place where everything was moving a, a, another direction. What did God do? God allowed some things to happen. Now, if you'll notice, verse 14, it says this, that they, uh, uh, in verse 14, and uh, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of spoilers uh, uh, that, that spoiled them. That thought is there, that these people came in and took their goods. I mean, they would plant fields and, and have their fruit come up and all of a sudden these people would come in and just take everything they had. Uh, we, we find that God allowed them to be spoiled. Uh, spoilers spoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about so that they could not, uh, not any longer stand before their enemies. And, and I, looked at, uh, I looked at that phrase, could not any longer stand, and that's a terrible statement. I mean, here they once had a great standing. They came into that land with great power and divided it up, but they allowed uh, these different groups to stay there and allowed gods to be worshiped and allowed uh, little things to happen. If you read chapter one, neither did they. They didn't remove this person. They, 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 they went in and conquered an area, but they did not remove. And, and as a result, the Bible says they could not stand. And it has this thought 
They had lost the power of God. Well, that's a terrible thing. It's like they had lost the standing that God had given them when they went into the promised land. You say, Pastor, this is, you know, I'm getting ready to go to class and everything. I've got a test and you're making me feel bad right off the bat in chapel. I tell you, it is, I've read this, the, these portions of scripture and I've spent time in here and it, and it is a dark cloud that is revealed here as this generation began to move ahead, but they, they were not moving God's way. As I read and, and I read down through the scriptures, I came to verse 16. And the Bible says that they were greatly distressed. But in verse 16, I want you to notice a word uh, and I want you to circle it or underline it in your Bible. It says, nevertheless. When I read that word, that stirred my curiosity. I'm not an English major, but I know it's a conjunction because I read that. It's a conjunction. And you say, Pastor, uh, what does it mean? It means despite of what had just been said or done. In spite, in spite of all the bad news, the dark clouds, he comes and he says this, nevertheless, notice this, the Lord raised up judges. When I got to looking at that, that was a mouthful for me. I looked at that thought, nevertheless, and it has the thought, and, and let me just give you this, a couple, just a couple sentences for what, what it says. Nevertheless, God's compassion was on his children. Amen? I, I understand this. We have a great country that's going a different direction, but nevertheless, God is still interested in, in his children today. God will still have compassion on us. God will still give us free reign. God will, God will still give us his power. God will still use a vessel that wants to be poured out for him. I understand this. Nevertheless, God is willing to work in our day. You're the generation. You're that next generation. You're the next, you're, you're the next pastor. You're the next youth director. You're the next, you're, you're the next person that works full time and, and serves the Lord and goes out and, and gives your life and, and says this, I want to see people, uh, people's lives changed to serve God, serve the living God. Well, I see this, there's a compassion. God gives a, uh, has compassion on his children. Nevertheless, he has compassion. It also has this thought, uh, God's grace on his own. God has grace. Boy, I tell you what, it's an amazing thing. If there, were not, if there weren't any other words in this chapter, that word nevertheless just started blinking like a, a, like a neon light in front of me. And I'm saying this, man, all, this bad, all these bad things that had just come out, it's bad news, it's bad news. Uh, I, uh, how many of you like dentist? To go to the dentist. I got a new dentist. I had a, uh, somebody dropped off a bag of those big, uh, lifesavers. Do you all see those lifesavers or breath mints? I'm an old guy. I'm 62. Okay, I'll be 62. I'm not as old as Brother Weaver, okay? Uh, but I'm, I'm feeling it. I don't do what I used to do. Uh, but somebody was kind, and they dropped these lifesavers off between services, and I grabbed bag, opened it up, put one in my mouth, and I chomped down on it, and half of my tooth came off. I was not happy about that. My wife took the bag and threw it in the trash, okay? Um, I... I was not happy, and I went to this Navy doctor and this Navy dentist, and he was, he was there, and he was a happy guy, and 
I was hoping that he was a good dentist. He numbed me up and he started drilling on me. I had my mouth wide open. How, have you, how many of you can smell that smell of the drill in your mouth? Anybody smell that smell of the drill, the smoke rising up from your teeth? You know, you all understand. And, and I'm sitting there and he's ring, ring, ring. He goes, hey, preacher. I told him I'm a preacher and he goes, let me tell you a joke. I've never had a dentist joking while I'm being drilled on. Has anybody ever had a dentist tell you? I'm, my mouth is wide open. That lady's going, you know, doing all that stuff. And, and, and he's drilling me and smoke's rising out of my mouth. He goes, let me tell you a joke. And I'm like, go ahead. You know, and, 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 he, and he said, this guy came to the dentist and he said, he said, uh, I, I've got a tooth that I need to have pulled. And he said, he said, uh, could I get your help? How much would it cost? He said, about 440 bucks. He said, with good anesthesia. And the, guy, and the guy said, man, that's too much. I just can't afford that. And he said, well, we've got this other plan where we can just pull the tooth, but just give you one needle and, you know, we'll let you rest for a while. It's not as good anesthesia, but it's about $220. And he said, uh, would that be, he said, man, that's still too much money. And he said, well, he said, there's a dentist school right across the street. And he said, they'll pull it without anesthesia. And he said, how much does that cost? And he says, about $50. He said, could you make appointment for my wife on Monday to get her in there and get that tooth pulled? Okay, you're, you're getting there, okay? That's bad news, okay? It's bad news today. But I tell you what, it's good news for the believer. As believers today, we have a privilege to stand. Nevertheless, he says this, nevertheless, I, you know, I, I got stirred up about that. And I began to look up the word nevertheless in the Bible. I started going from scripture to scripture and reading it. I, I mean, I, I, I have a, a sheet that I typed up with the, with the scriptures nevertheless on them. And I began to study out those scriptures and, and I got to thinking about this. Nevertheless has that thought of compassion and has thought of grace. I love Lamentations chapter three. In the midst of of God's discipline, the man of God writes this. He says this, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his passions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. We have a faithful God that wants to meet our needs. And nevertheless, what is happening in society, we have a God that wants to have compassion and he wants to work in our lives. But I, I got to looking at that and I got to thinking about this, this thought. It says, uh, nevertheless, the Lord raised them up judges. And I looked at that word raised, and it has the thought that, that even in bad times, God is working. Even in the bad times, God wants to raise somebody up. I, I mean, in the midst of that, in, in the midst of the bad and the dark clouds and, and folks that did not know, God was in the business of raising somebody up to share his truth with Israel. I looked at that and I looked at that thought of God raising them up. Psalm 75, verse six and seven. For promotion cometh neither from the east or from the west, nor from the south, but God is, ju is the judge, is judge. Uh, understand this, he setteth down one and setteth up another. God is the one that picks us up and puts us down. God is the one that changes. God is the one that'll, that'll raise you up at the right time. I, I, I began to think about folks that God had raised up through the Bible. 
You can think of David and how God raised him up just at the right time. Uh, uh, as you look in, in 1 Samuel, and uh, God raised up Elijah and Elisha. God raised up a, a little woman named Esther for such a time as this. God had a time, and, and nevertheless, in the midst of what is happening in society, and we sit here and look, and you see stadiums full of people, and you see wickedness happening all over the place, but I want to say this, nevertheless, of what's happening in society, God is still busy. God is still working. God raised up another individual. God raised up a man named Nehemiah. I love what God says about Nehemiah. We'll go there in a minute. But I understand this, that thought of raising up somebody, the thought, uh, the very thought of that scripture there, God raised up judges. Uh, it has the thought to establish, to make, to stand. See, God, God can, you say, well, I've got to do this and I've got to be this. God can establish you in the, in the place that he wants you today. God has a place for you, and God can equip you with exactly what you need. Nevertheless, I looked at a, a third thing. I looked at that thought, how the Lord raised up judges. And, I, you know, I've, I've studied the Bible for years. I've read through the book of Judges. I've, I've, done, I've done that. Many of you have done it. But as I read about judges, I began to say, Lord, what, who were the judges? What were they about? What? You know, how, what did that mean to that society? And the thought of judges, it, it's, it's an amazing thing. He raised these judges up, and the judges were to rescue. The judges were to save. The judges were to deliver. They were called deliverers. Uh, I looked, and if you look down there, he says, he says this uh, in verse 18. He raised them up judges. Then the Lord was with the judge. Boy, that's, that's an awesome thing. When God raises you up, the presence of God walking with you, you're not alone in the job that God gives you. And, and God was there. It says he raised them up and he was with the judge. And then it says, and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies. God, God separated them to himself. Uh, he was with them, but he delivered them uh, through the judges. The judges were, were deliverers. I've, I've read in several places that, that the judges were considered counselors. They were considered deliverers. They, they were individuals that were uh, uh, just focused on the truth of God and the society that they were in. And so we understand this, and if you read the book of Judges, it's a, it's a, a, a series of seven different ups and downs through, uh, that Israel went through. And every time the judge was there and he was alive, God used him to influence. And, and, and nevertheless, what the society was, there would, there would, they would prosper and God would give them victory. But then a generation would come on, people would forget about God, and they would go back down. And God would raise them up again. Seven times it happens. Uh, there, were, there were a number of judges that we find here, uh, but, I, but I, was I was stirred that, that God would raise up and strengthen individuals and bring them to a place that they influenced society. What can God do through your life? We had a fellow in our church. We, we started in Clinton, Maryland. My dad started in Clinton, Maryland in a little red brick building. It had wooden pews, no pads. No, no carpet on the floor. It was wooden pews and, and wood floors and a small church. And we started, and it, it, it was a little bit of a struggle uh, for my dad for years. Uh, 
One time, one, uh, things got going and we were sitting there and, and everybody was in church for that Sunday. The, the house was full. And this long-haired guy walked in. His suit was too big. His shoes were too big. He was long-haired. He walked down the aisle. And in that day, you know, people kind of said, what in the world just walked into our church? I mean, the guy walked right down the middle aisle and he sat on the second row. He sat there through the service, and I'll never forget as he sat through the service, people were watching him. He was kind of strange, and we didn't know who he was, and so everybody kept their eye on him. And, and when the invitation came, he came forward, and he got saved. He, he made a profession of faith. Uh, he stood up in front of the church, and he said, I, I just wanted to let you know. He said, I was listening to the ra radio in uh, w, uh, WFSI at that time. It was our Bible station. He said, I heard, the simp I, I heard a man preach about Jesus, and he said, I got saved. Man, people were like, hey, man, you know, and, and, and he said, uh, he said, and then I called the radio station. I said, where do I go to church? And they said, Independent Baptist Church in Clinton. That's what you're close to. So he said, that's why I'm here today. He got, he made a public profession of his faith and he kind of looked at my dad and, he, and his, his statement was, what do I do next? And so my father said, you need to follow the Lord in scriptural baptism. He said, can I do that right now? We sat there, he went up, changed, got, he got baptized. From that day on, God began to work in Rick's life. His name is Pastor Rick Connors today. He came to our church. He, came, he began to ask questions. What do I do next? And somebody said, you need to you know, get your hair, get, get a haircut. That'll help you. He, he got a haircut. He didn't bother, bother about that. Uh, he, he began to, uh, God began to do things in his life and he came and he said, well, you know, uh, what's this visitation thing? And they said, we said, we go out on Tuesday nights, come here, we'll, we'll teach you how to share the gospel with someone. Rick came to visitation from his house, Cherry Tree Crossing. Um, do you all know the definition of redneck? Um, I'm, I'm talking Rick Connors lived in a house that horses have walked through while you're sitting there. A pony walked through. I mean, his father, his father's car broke down on the road, so he just went and unscrewed the tag and left the car on the road. I mean, that's the kind of people they were. His sister lived in a trailer. They're on the property, so Rick comes in a suit, high heel shoes, orange, it's kind of like an orange suit trimmed in green. It was really ugly. Uh, you know, but he, you know, I was happy for him. He came haircut. And he, goes, and he comes in, prays with somebody, and somebody goes with him. He goes, I, we need to visit my sister. He drives back to his property. Knocks on his sister's door and says, Sis, I wanted to come and tell you what Jesus did in my life. And she said, come on in. He said, Sister, you need to get saved. And she said, okay, tell me about it. He said, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, and he read it, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. She said, brother, could you tell me what that means? And I said, I can. It means for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He did that all the way through the plan of salvation. He told her the wages of sin is death, and all he could say was the wages of sin is death. He didn't know what, it, you know, he didn't have all this explanation. And finally he said, sister, let me ask you, would you like to get saved today? And she said, yes, I need to get saved. And she got saved. He began to do that to his family. He said this, you know, I, I saw these buses. What are those buses at your, at your church? And he goes, I want to work on a bus. And so he started working a bus route. Rick, uh, God began to work in Rick's life. And, and he would stuff newspaper in his shoes so they would fit. And he would come and he was wearing suits. And he said, 
you all have this institute going on. Could I come to the institute? The problem was he didn't know the books of the Bible. He didn't know anything about the Bible. We'd say turn to Genesis and he'd go to the index and find the page number. I mean, Rick, Rick was just from the very bottom. Years, a few years passed and he said, he came and he said, Pastor, I'm convicted. And, and we said, what are you convicted about? He said, I stole weights from my public school. I stole the weights from the weight room. And he said, what should I do? And we said, you need to go, you need to take the weights back to them and give them back. So he had a VW and he, and he filled, the VW was actually down. I mean, it was way down. He pulled up and his gym teacher was out there doing gym and he said, goodness gracious, are you Rick? And he said, yes. He said, I got saved. And he said, the Lord's changed my life. What, you know, he said, well, why are you here? And he said, well, to tell you the truth, he said, I stole a bunch of weights from the weight room. And he said, they're in my VW. I mean, the whole thing was down. I mean, it was about dragging. And the guy goes, Rick, what are you doing? He said, I'm bringing them back. And he said, could you use your, could the gym class come over and help me unload my car? And the gym class unloaded his car. Rick came, he, uh, he, he went to our institute for three years, went to Hiles Anderson College, finished up. Then he went, then he came back and he went back to a place down in, in, in Maryland, in Patuxent, Maryland. He started a church in a place that was a bar. Uh, it was a bar and he got the building and it was L-shaped and he filled that up and then he bought a kingdom hall and sanctified that, amen. And, uh, and, and now he's purchased property. He has three pieces of property and, and he has about eight men that are now preaching around the United States and on foreign mission fields. And you say, Pastor, what in the world happened in Rick's life? Rick was one of those that was, it was nevertheless God raised up. And God raised Rick up and God is still working in Rick's life and God is still, God is still saving people. Uh, he, is, he is teaching in our, we have a small Bible college and he teach, he's teaching soul winning this, uh, this semester. But it is exciting to me to understand that God will raise individuals up in 2020 to do his work in this place, in America. Now, I, I got studying, I, I, my time is short, but if you go to Nehemiah chapter nine, we're gonna, we're gonna finish up. In Nehemiah chapter nine, I, I began to read, and I began to read these verses, uh, some of these verses. In, uh, uh, listen to some of these verses. Uh, ne uh, Psalm 106 and verse eight, nevertheless he saved them for his name's sake that he might make his power to be known. Uh, in Psalm 106 and verse 44, nevertheless, he recorded their affliction when he heard their cry. And, and, and that's talking about this portion of scripture. Uh, in in uh, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 2 Peter 3 and verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And I, I was thrilled to just begin to study and look at these portions. I went to Nehemiah, and of course, you know the story of Nehemiah. He was the king's cupbearer. He was there. Many people believe that Esther was the stepmother of Artaxerxes, the king. Uh, in that place, but Nehemiah was the cupbearer and, 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 and his brother came, he got a burden and it actually says this, 
In chapter 2 and verse 12, he said, I didn't tell anybody what the Lord had put on my heart. See, God raises people up. He puts things on their heart. And he put this thing on, he put the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem and I've walked up with people and they've said, look at, see, we're at the city of David and these are the original walls. And it, can you see these gaping spots where they're filled with different color rocks? We believe this is where Nehemiah got busy. But Nehemiah went in the nighttime and he rode a mule around Jerusalem. Uh, Artaxerxes gave him all that he needed and Artaxerxes gave him free reign and, and, and let him get through the different uh, barriers of society in that day. And he goes back and in the nighttime he walks around and he has this burden on his heart because God had raised him up for the job. And God has something for you to do today. Every one of us, you don't just come and take college classes and say, I'm prepared to do this or that. We're looking for what God wants us to do today. God will raise individuals up to be used in places that we never knew. I never thought I'd be on Capitol Hill uh, sitting with leaders and having leaders say, hey, Pastor Creed, I need to pray with you today. You pray with me, let me pray with you. And I've never thought that I've had, I would have the questions asked, I would have people do what they've done and, and, and in strange places, but God is in the business of raising people up. Nevertheless, God raised up judges. Now, the thing that stirred me, as I, as I looked at this portion of scripture, I want, let me close with Nehemiah chapter nine. If you'll look at, uh, look at chapter nine of Nehemiah, look at, look at with me at verse, Nehemiah chapter nine, look at verse 27. Now I want you to look at this. Nehemiah chapter nine, verse 27. He said, uh, Nehemiah is a powerful thing the people did wrong and they got right with God. I, I challenge you to write down, they did several things. They got in the word of God. They fixed their, they, they confessed. They, they confessed. They, they got in the word of God. They spent time uh, confessing uh, and then they got busy for God, but they made a covenant with God in this portion of scripture, chapter nine. Nehemiah is dealing with the covenant they, they, they've gotten right with God, but he, they, they want to go further than that. They want to be used by God. Chapter 10, they actually write a document, put their names on the document, and they sign it and seal it. We're, we're in the business. We're going to serve God. But I want you to notice this. Uh, I, I want you to notice what he says in, 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 in verse 27. Therefore thou didst deliver them into the hand of their enemies. That's talking about judges. Notice what it says. Who vexed them in the time of their trouble. And when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven. And according to thy manifold mercies, there it is, the nevertheless, thou gavest them saviors. I want to propose to you this morning that our society needs saviors. Our society needs the savior. But in this portion, Nehemiah said, Hey, when God's children were in trouble and they prayed, God sent saviors out among them. You say, who was that? That was the judges. I, I, I looked at it, he said, notice this. Who, who saved them out, out of the hand of their enemies. Go down to verse, verse 30, 31. It says, nevertheless, for thy great mercies, there's the nevertheless, 
that Nehemiah uses. Apparently, Nehemiah was in the scriptures. He says, nevertheless, for thy great mercy's sake, thou didst not utterly consume them, for, uh, uh, nor forsake them, for thou art a gracious and merciful God. What took place in this, play, in this uh, statement, and, I, I, and the more that I get to looking, and I, I want to wrap things up and help you to understand what I'm saying, I'm glad our God is a God of nevertheless. I believe God's busy in, in Lancaster. I believe God's busy in Washington, D.C. I have young men that are, I, I, uh, there are young men that are, we had a man that's planning a church in Baltimore. Nevertheless, God raised up a man and he's going right into the inner city and he's going to plant a church in Baltimore. God is dealing in our lives and I believe God can raise up young ladies to serve the Lord in our day. I believe God can raise up young men to be saviors in different places and different opportunities of the day. I, I, I wrote some things down in difficult days. In these difficult days, I believe this, God is active in our days. May we not, may we not overlook the hand of God in 2022. I, I believe in these times, even when believers doubt, and I'll tell you what, the church is being shaken today. Uh, people don't go to church. Uh, church, church attendance has dropped off 30%, and I talk to pastors all the time, and they're saying, what are you doing? How are you being creative? And, and they're trying to eat some of the best churches that I know. People are struggling to get their folks to come out to three services a week. But I understand this, in these times, even when the believers doubt, God will show himself strong if we'll be willing to be used by God. I wrote down this thought. In, a time, in the time, the world is poised for catastrophe. And I tell you, honestly, if I told you things that I've, have been shared with me, even about California, it, it, it'd shock you, sitting inside the Capitol building. But I understand this. In these times when the world is, is poised for catastrophe, God is poised to work, and God is poised to use us. God's poised to use you today. I'm challenged today. I'm challenged today with a thought. And I hope that you'll, you could probably do a better study than I've done of this word nevertheless in that chapter in Judges. But I hope that you'll take some time, spend some time, and consider God is in the business of raising people up in such a time as this. Here's the question. Will you allow God to allow you to be a deliverer, to be a savior, to be a mercy person, to be a soul winner, to be a full-time worker in 2020? Will you allow God to use you in whatever facet he guides you?